0: Good morning. It's good to see you today. We are excited to gather for worship today. Excited to to be beginning a new series. Uh, some churches may do. Hey, we're doing a three week or four week, six weeks. We're starting a sixty eight week series <laughs> through the Book of Luke. You should have had a bookmark in, or a postcard in your seat today. We're starting a series called Jesus Period, where we are looking through the Gospel of Luke. We are going to be journeying through this beautiful book. And we thought it would be great to start since Luke starts with his Christmas narrative in chapters 1 and 2 to start at this Christmas season. So I'm grateful for this opportunity to preach. I'm excited. We've got a bit of a long passage today, so let's dig right in. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 1. This is God's Word, and it says, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative..." of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you've been taught. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah, And the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they, they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service was in it, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among people. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed of a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the sort of greeting, at at, at what the saying and tried to discern what the sort of greeting might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Father, we thank you so much for your word today, God, this beautiful beginning to this gospel of Luke. Lord, we're, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to, to journey through this amazing book because it's about the most amazing person who's ever lived. It's about Jesus. And so as we begin today, may you fill our hearts and our minds with the beautiful news that Jesus came for us. And may we overflow in love in adoration for him. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, period. When I was in youth group with Pastors Lance and Brian, we had these t-shirts made that said, Jesus, period. Now, you have to understand that it was 1999, and Christian t-shirts, I mean, they were the thing. You had those t-shirts that instead of saying Reese's, like in the orange and yellow, it said Jesus, that looked just the same. You had a green shirt that said instead of enjoy Sprite, and it said enjoy the Holy Spirit. There was Gold's Gym, which was a popular gym back then, and these t-shirts that said God's Gym. There was even a t-shirt that instead of Abercrombie and Finch said a breadcrumb and a fish. So... We thought we were one-upping all of the cheesy t-shirts with just Jesus, period. I mean, that's pretty clever, right? Because isn't that all that you really need? Jesus, period? I mean, isn't that the answer to every question? Isn't that our only hope? Jesus, period? You know, as we've gotten older, there's the temptation to believe that Jesus, period, doesn't work. Jesus, period, is not enough. I mean, surely there's got to be some sort of wisdom out there other than just Jesus, right? I mean, surely there's got to be some sort of secret to a healthy life other than Jesus. Surely there's got to be a way to find happiness other than Jesus. I mean, when we look at the world around us, we see a world full of pain and suffering. We we see a world full of evil and unfaithfulness we see a world full of weakness and failure and so when we look at this world that we live in it can be hard to believe that Jesus is enough that he's really all that we need I mean maybe we need something other than Jesus maybe I need something other than Jesus maybe you need something other than Jesus I mean maybe Jesus is good for what we do in this room Maybe he's good for my church life, but the real me, I don't think he's enough for the real me. I mean, maybe Jesus is nothing more than a fairy tale. Maybe he's just not enough. Maybe Jesus, period, doesn't work. If you've ever felt that way, I've got good news for you today. Luke has good news for us today. You see, we're starting a journey through the Gospel of Luke. And Luke wants us to see that Jesus really is enough for us. That Jesus really is all that we need. You see, Jesus is enough for all the pain and the sorrow that we experience in this life. Jesus really is enough to fulfill all of God's plans for this world. Jesus really is enough to see the power of God at work in our lives and in our church. So let's start this journey together today. Let's set our hearts on the Son of God and let's see that Jesus came for us to prove that he really is enough. To prove that Jesus, period, really does work. So let's dig into our text. The first thing I want us to see today is that Jesus came to the real world. So the Gospel of Luke begins with an introduction and and a dedication to this work. I don't want to skip over it. Luke tells us in verse 1 that many others have worked to compile a narrative of the events that happened among them. And what he's talking about is the incredible events of the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection, the ministry of Jesus. You see, Luke is writing about 30 years after the life of Jesus, And for those 30 years, the stories and the teaching and the good news was passed from community to community. But as the years were passing by, God inspired a group of people to write these stories down. And that's where we get the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Notice what he says in verse 2. He says, just these stories came as eyewitness testimony. These would have been the the 12 disciples and the hundreds of other people who saw Jesus killed and risen from the grave. He also mentions in verse 2 these ministers of the word. This is a technical term that refers to people whose job it was to write orderly accounts so that they could be trustworthy. And so what they did is they wrote these things down so that Luke says in verse 4 that we might have certainty about the things that happened. Luke even says in verses 3 that that's why he wrote his gospel. He dedicates the book to a man named Theophilus. We don't know much about him. He probably paid Luke to write this book. He could have been the person who paid the money for it. But Luke wants that man and he wants all of us to have certainty about the story of Jesus. And so before we even get into the story of Jesus, I want us to get our hearts around the idea that Jesus came to the real world, this real world. You see, the gospel of Jesus is not a myth. It's not a fairy tale. I mean, we know how fairy tales start, right? Don't we? Once upon a time in a distant land far, far away, right? Isn't that how, stories, how fairy tales start? Or long, long ago in a galaxy far, far away. That's how fairy tales start, right? Luke says that's not how this story starts. This story starts with eyewitnesses. Historical accounts of the things that a man named Jesus said and did. As we read through the Gospel of Luke, Luke is going to work very hard to make sure that this story is rooted in the real world. He mentions the names of real people. He describes real places. He gives us time references to know when these things happened. I mean, if Luke has one major goal for this gospel, it's for us to believe that Jesus really came to this real world. Jesus was born in a real town. He was baptized in a real river. He was sent to real cities. He was engaging real people. He was condemned by a real governor. He was executed on a real cross. He was buried in a real tomb and he rose again to a real life. Real people saw Jesus. Real people touched Jesus. Real people ate with Jesus. Real people killed Jesus. Real people buried Jesus. And real people fell at his resurrected So Jesus came to this real world. And so if Jesus really did come to the real world, that means Jesus came for the real us. Jesus came for the real you. Before we dig into the story, I want us to believe that Jesus can actually be real in our lives. He's not just some historical figure. He's not just an inspiring teacher. He's not just an example of how to live a happy life. Jesus is real, and he can be real in our lives. We can know him. We can fellowship with him. We can trust him. We can rely on him. We can obey him. We can adore him. I mean, he can be our savior. He can be our shepherd. He can be our king and our counselor. He can be our master and he can be our friend. He can do all of this for the real you. The messed up you. The sinful you. The weary you. The weak you. The broken you. You know, as we work through lots and lots of stories through the gospel of, of Luke, I want you to resist the temptation to say, oh, I already know that. I've heard that story before. Resist the temptation to say, yeah, I've, I've read that before. Instead, hear Jesus, the real Jesus calling you to himself. In every passage, on every page of the Gospel of Luke, hear the real Jesus calling you to real trust in him, to real love for him. As we immerse ourselves in the gospel of Luke, let's be praying for the real Jesus to be real in our lives, to be real in this church, in our marriages, and in our families, in our work, in our schools, in our relationships, in our conversations, in our choices, in our hearts, in everything that we do. Let's pray for the Lord Jesus to be real in our lives. Jesus came to the real world, so let's believe that he can be real in our lives. Second thing that we, I want us to see is that Jesus came to a world of pain. Came to a world of pain. So now we get to verse 5 and the story begins. Luke draws our attention to a priest and his name is Zechariah, and his wife's name is Elizabeth. Luke tells us in verse 6 that they were righteous before God. They walked blamelessly. They were, weren't perfect, but their lives were marked by devotion to the Lord. But then Luke tells us in verse 7 the bad news. They were barren. Elizabeth was unable to have children. And so for whatever reason, they weren't able to have a child. And, and Luke tells us they were advanced in years. That's it's just a polite way to say they were old. And the hope of having children was probably long, long gone. So why does the story of Jesus start here? Why does the good news of Jesus start with an older couple that can't have kids? I think the story starts here to remind us that Jesus came to a world full of pain. Jesus came to a world of suffering. He came to a world of sorrow. He came to a world of pain the story starts here to remind us that there is something terribly wrong with the world that we live in i mean on a personal level zachariah and elizabeth would have experienced much sadness from their infertility i'm sure they spent years and years praying for a child i'm sure they wept and they grieved years and years for a child i mean many of us here today even know that pain The pain of infertility, or the pain of miscarriage, or the pain even of losing a child. And aren't these things such strong reminders that something is terribly wrong with this world? But it's more than just personal pain. Baron Elizabeth reminds us of barren Israel. God's people are oppressed under the strong arm of the Roman Empire Their idolatry and their rebellion has put them under the judgment of God and they are exiles in their own land. But in a sense, all of humanity is in exile. We're all far from God. We are all like that prodigal son who's run away to the far country to find happiness somewhere other than in the Father. Our rebellion and our sin has created a world full of pain and sorrow. But Jesus came to this world full of pain. He left the glories of heaven and he entered into a world of pain. A world of infertility. A world of oppression. A world of cancer. A world of violence. A world of depression. A world of death. Jesus came to the world of pain and he came so that he might be our comfort. The Gospel of Luke is full of stories where Jesus meets people in their pain and brings them comfort. He touches lepers who are untouchable. He heals the sick and the afflicted. He frees those oppressed by demons. He shares a table with people that no one loves. He raises a dead daughter and a dead son. But you see, Jesus didn't just enter into a world of pain to fix it. He entered into a world of suffering so that he might suffer too. So that he might know the very pain that we feel. Didn't we sing that earlier? He he came to this world to taste the sadness that we experience. He knew the pain of rejection. He knew the pain of his friends abandoning him. He knew the pain of false accusation and arrest. He knew the physical pain of being beaten and crucified. He knew the pain and the agony of death. It can be so easy to think that God is too high above us to know our pain and our sorrow. It can be just easy to think that God just doesn't know. He doesn't see us, or maybe worse, He just doesn't care. But here is a couple who have suffered most of their lives, and God is saying to them, Zachariah and Elizabeth, I see you. I know your pain. I've counted your tears. I've seen your sorrow. And I'm coming for you. Brothers and sisters, take heart today. Jesus sees you. He knows your pain. He's counted your tears. And he came for you. He came to enter into your pain. And he came to bring you comfort. So he's a faithful high priest. So draw near in times of need. He's a gentle and lowly savior. So come to him and find rest. He loves you. So find comfort today in his love. Jesus came into a world of pain. So, friends, let's run to Jesus and let's find comfort. Number three, the next thing I want us to see. Jesus came to a world of promise. So as we move on to verses 8 and 9, Luke tells us that Zechariah was chosen to burn incense in the temple. There would have been about 18,000 priests in Israel. So the fact that he gets to do this is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But as he goes into the temple to burn incense, another once in a lifetime opportunity happens. The angel Gabriel appears to him. And so Zechariah does what everyone else does when they see an angel. He freaks out. But in verse 13, Gabriel tells him, don't be afraid. God has heard your prayer and you will have a son. This son's name will be John, and that means graced by God. God is giving them a son as a gift of grace. But this son is going to do something amazing. He's not just going to be an answer to their family's prayer, but he's going to be an answer to all of God's people's prayer. He is going to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. He's going to prepare the way for Jesus. Now, you might be thinking at this point in the story, what does this couple have to do with Jesus? I thought this book was about Jesus. Why are we talking about this, these people? Well, here it is. Their son, John, is going to prepare the way for Jesus. And all of this is tied to the very promises of God. You see, Gabriel connects the birth of John with God's promises. He quotes from the prophet Malachi and from Isaiah. John will come in the spirit and the power of Elijah to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. You see, Luke is showing us that God is not only a promise maker, but God is a promise keeper. And God can be trusted because God keeps his word. You see, God has filled this world with promise after promise after promise. And so Jesus enters into that world so that every promise might come true. You see, Gabriel will also go to visit another person soon, later in the passage. And he will visit Mary and he will fill his announcement to her with the promises of God. She will have a son named Jesus and he will be the son of God. A king born in the line of David. That's a promise from 2 Samuel 7. He will reign as king forever and ever. That's a promise from Isaiah 7. You see, God's not flying by the seat of his pants when he sends Jesus into the world. Oh, this isn't working. You go, I'm putting you in kind of last minute. No. There is, this is a perfect plan from the dawn of time. A plan full of promise after promise after promise. And Jesus came to fulfill every single one. And so that means for us that we can trust every single one. You see, there's not one promise of God that in Christ Jesus we cannot bank our lives on. Jesus came to prove that we can trust in the promises of God. We can trust that God is working all things for our good. We can trust that God will never leave us or forsake us. We can trust that God will complete that good work that he began in us. We can trust God will present us to himself blameless. We can trust that nothing in all of creation will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In Jesus, we can trust all God's promises. But God's promises are not always easy to trust, are they? Zechariah is standing here in God's temple. He is standing next to God's Angel and he is hearing the words from God, and he struggles to believe them. And it's because of this lack of faith that the angel strikes his tongue and he's unable to speak. Now Zachariah should know from God's word that God has a thing for barren women. It's kind of how Israel began. I mean, God blessed Abraham and his barren wife Sarah, with a son. And in fact, this happens four times in the Old Testament. You see, Zachariah knows God can do this, but he still struggles to trust that God will do this. And we can be the same way. I mean, we might know that God can do what he says, but we struggle to truly believe that he will do what he says. And it's not like the promises of God aren't good. I mean, it's not like God is promising us a big can of beanie weenies at the end of our lives. God's promises are good. They're so good. But we can struggle to believe not that God can keep them, but that God will keep them. When your marriage is falling apart, do you trust that God will keep his promises? When your parenting seems impossible do you trust that God will keep his promises when your grief is overwhelming when your sin seems too strong when you feel like you're at the end of yourself do you trust that God will keep his promises maybe you'd say pastor I want to trust I want to believe that God will keep his promises but it's hard you're right it's hard But Jesus came to prove that God's promises can be trusted. And he came so that we might actually have the ability to trust them. You see, he lived to prove that God's promises can be trusted. He died to prove that God's promises can be trusted. He rose again to prove that God's promises can be trusted. And when we look to Jesus, that's when our hearts can truly believe. That's when we can say, yes, that promise is for me. When we look to the gospel, that's when we can say, yes, those promises are for us. See, brothers and sisters, Jesus came to a world of promise. So let's look to him and let's trust that the promises are true. Maybe God is calling you today to trust the promise of salvation for the first time. The truth is that you're a sinner. We're all sinners and you've rebelled against the God who created you. But Jesus came in his own words to seek and to save the lost. He lived the life you could never live. He died the death you deserve. And he rose again to offer you the promise of forgiveness. If you would confess your sins and believe that promise. Friends, you can do that today. You can do that right now at your seat. If you've never trusted in the promise of God for salvation in Jesus, do that right now. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Confess your sins to him. Ask him to come and forgive you and save you. Trust the promise and you will be saved. If you've never done that, i encourage you to do that today. Talk to someone about doing that today. This world is a world full of promise. And Jesus came to the world of promise. So let's lean on Jesus and let's trust the promises of God. Lastly, number four, Jesus came to a world of power. So sure enough, Zachariah and Elizabeth get pregnant, just as the angel of the Lord had said. Elizabeth rejoices that the Lord has taken away her shame. But she isn't the only one that God has her eyes set on. He has his eyes set on a young virgin named Mary. And so the angel Gabriel pays her a visit too. In verse 28, Gabriel shows up and says, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. And so Mary does what everyone else who sees an angel does. She freaks out. But again, the angel tells her, don't be afraid. You, you found favor with God and you too will bear a son. But this son will be even greater than John. Mary's son is going to be the very son of God. Of the Most High God. Now, as we read through the story, it seems like Mary is struggling to believe, just like Zechariah did, but she just needs a little clarification. She says in verse 34, How will this be since I'm a virgin? You see, nothing like this had ever happened before, but the angel reassured her that God is up for the task. He says in verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. He tells Mary that God has given her relative Elizabeth a son in her old age. And then he says this beautiful verse in verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. So Mary feels pretty good about that answer. And she submits to God's will for her life. I mean, what a statement from the angel. Nothing will be impossible with God. You see, there is a power at work in this world. We've been taught to believe that this world is just a bunch of natural causes. A bunch of atoms and chemical reactions. But Luke reminds us at the very beginning of his gospel that there is a real power at work in this real world. And that is the power of Of the Holy Spirit of God. You see when we turn back to the beginning we see in Genesis 1 the Spirit of God hovering over the waters ready to bring new life to creation. Here is that same Spirit hovering over Mary ready to bring new life to her womb. And when the son of Mary is ready to begin his ministry that same Spirit hovers over him ready to bring new life to God's children. And when Jesus lies dead in the grave, it will be that same spirit hovering over his dead body, ready to bring new life to the Savior of the world again. You see, as we work through the gospel of Luke, we're going to see this power at work over and over again. We're going to see the spirit of Christ bring new life everywhere Jesus goes. New life for the blind. New life for prostitutes. New life for the crippled, new life for tax collectors, new life for lost sheep and sinners. And it's all because of the power of the Holy Spirit working through Jesus. And the good news for us today is that that same power is ours by the gift of Jesus. If you are in Jesus today, you have been given the gift of the Spirit And if you have this spirit of Christ, you can experience this power. Now, when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit, all kinds of things might come to mind, right? The power to do miracles or the power to see visions in heaven or or the power to touch somebody and heal them. But what if the Holy Spirit wants us to do something even greater than all of those things? What if the Holy Spirit wants to give us the power to abound in hope? Today, as we celebrate Advent, we're celebrating hope. And listen to the closing prayer of Paul's letter to the Romans. He says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that at the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. You want the power of the Holy Spirit? Paul is praying that the power of the Holy Spirit would help us to overflow with hope in Jesus. What if the Holy Spirit wants to give us the power to abound in hope? What if this Christmas season he wants us to pray for the power to hope in Jesus? What if as we spend the next year and a half in the book of Luke, he wants us to pray for the power of hope in Jesus? You see, this world is not just a world of power, but it's also a world of hope. And if there's no power in this world, then we have no reason to hope. But if there is the power of the Spirit, then we have every reason to hope. If it's true that really nothing is impossible with God, then we have every reason by the power of the Spirit to hope in Jesus. So let's abound in hope today. Let's... Let's take the hope that we have in ourselves, the hope that we put in our own abilities, the hope that we have in our families and in our money and our jobs, the hope that we put in religion. Let's put all of that hope on Jesus. Let's put it all on Jesus. Let's hope in his grace and his mercy. Let's hope in his compassion and kindness. Let's hope in his steadfast love. Let's hope in his miraculous birth. Let's hope in his perfect life. Let's hope in his sacrificial death. And let's hope in his glorious resurrection. Let's put all our hope on Jesus. You see, Jesus came to a world of power. And so by the power of the Holy Spirit, let's abound in hope. Friends, it's such good news that Jesus came for us. He came to the real world for the real us. He came to a world full of pain to comfort us. He came to a world of promise to fulfill the plans of God. And he came to a world of power to give us a hope and a future. When we read the opening stories of Gospel of Luke, we walk away with this amazing truth. Jesus came for us. But that's not all of the story. You see, Jesus came for us, but the story is not about us. In the end, we are not the focus. So as we journey through the Gospel of Luke, we're going to see a lot of things. We'll see the miracles of Jesus. We'll hear the teachings of Jesus. We'll see that Jesus loves to go to dinner parties. And we'll hear his kindness to outsiders. We'll see his disciples struggling. We'll hear the religious leaders grumbling. We'll see the road to Jerusalem and we'll hear the crowds shouting, crucify him. We'll see him condemned to death. We'll hear his cries from the cross. We'll see him placed in a tomb. And we'll hear him bless his friends on the other side. And when we get to the end of the Gospel of Luke, we'll see what it's all about. You see, after Jesus is raised from the dead, the very last verse of the Gospel says this, And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Jesus came for us so that we might worship him. He came for us so that we might adore him so that we might treasure him, so that we might worship him. And in the end, that's what this book is all about. It's all about Jesus. It's about a savior who came to the real world. It's about a friend who came for our pain. It's about a king who came to fulfill God's promises. It's about a son of God who came to fill us with the power of hope. It's all about Jesus. So, brothers and sisters, let's do that today. Let's do that this week. Let's do that the rest of our lives. Let's adore him. Let's treasure him. Let's love him. Let's serve him. Let's honor him. Let's worship Jesus. Because, in the end, all that really matters is Jesus. Period. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your amazing word today, God. It's amazing that you sent your son into this real world for us, the real us. And so, God, may we find comfort today in Jesus in our pain. May we trust in Jesus in the promises that are ours. And may we be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit So that we can abound in hope. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you today. That today would be the day of salvation. Today would be the day that they would come to faith in Jesus for the first time. And for those of us in Christ, may we adore him. May we worship him. May we give our lives and everything to him. Because he alone is worthy. He alone deserves all glory and honor